0: Amen. good morning, church. Welcome to New Movement. Really glad that you're here. Glad that we have the opportunity to be in the house of the Lord today. I want to really just go right into the message today. I don't want to take a lot of time because, um, as I've been really wrestling with this to, this week in particular, um, in my own life, I have acknowledged. The need for what I'm really want to talk about today, especially in um, what our what our message is is going to focus on in our series, Um, and even even now, even this morning, um, I'm just reminded of how important 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 that this this message is today. And I'm the kind of person that uh, can get distracted. Um, I don't know if anybody's like me. Um, I can get distracted. I can want to do a lot of things. That may be one reason why I get distracted. Um, And also, I want a lot of things to happen. And a lot of times when you want a lot of things to happen and you're trying to make a lot of things happen, that you really can't control everything. Sometimes that can bring some anxiety. Sometimes that can bring some disappointment and even resentment. And I am learning as we are going forward as a church and as we're getting ready to celebrate some pretty strong milestones that just to take the time and to really hear what God is doing and really listen for what God is doing and really know where God is leading and where God is going is the most important thing because uh, as Jim Collins write writing his book, Good to Great, you know, there's a lot of things where there's opportunities to be good and there's limited opportunities to be great. And to be great at something means you have to say no to other things. And I don't know about you, but I just want to be great at my relationship with God. I, I, the older I get, I'm realizing that I need him every single moment. And I got to let some things go. I got to let some things that disappoint me go. And I've got to not chase what's good and really embrace what's great. What I love about uh, as we're walking through this series, Divine Interruption, and we're paralleling, paralleling the story of Daniel, what I love about Daniel is over and over again, it talks about how great he was. And I just want you to know before we even begin this message that you are not that far from being the great that God wants you to be. In fact, when he designed you, when he built you, When he programs you, he programs you to be great at what he's called you to do. That means you don't have to be anybody else. You don't have to pursue anybody else's dream. You don't have to model yourself after any other pattern. There will never be anyone else like you. I don't know about you, but I just think ever since Steve Jobs passed away, Apple's going downhill. Anybody can just be honest about that. Apple's going down I'm sorry I I love Apple I've got everything Apple but there's only one Steve Jobs and and the vision he had for that company and the fact that his vision was so strong for that company they actually fired him did you know that about Steve Jobs the vision and the company he built the values were so strong that his own people said we got to let you go they fired Steve Jobs And he reassessed, and he came back, and he came back stronger than ever. And the problem was they were trying to do too many things. And Steve Jobs said, look, let's just be good at a few things. Let's just model and just be good at this. And he came back and took the company to where it was and to where it is. And I'm just reminded of that, that there is only one version of you. There was only one call and one vision one idea that God has in mind and if you don't do it it won't be done so my job my job today is to get you to see something a little bit differently to get you to see the trials in your life the problems in your life the setbacks in your life as opportunities to go deeper in God one of the things that is a reality about church today And why we are trying to shift and why we've named ourselves new movement. Because the world doesn't need another church. There's plenty of churches. What the world needs is a movement. And a movement moves forward. It responds to the issues of the day. And the reality is, when it comes to church attendance, it's just the stats are going down, down, down. They say, actually, great church attendance is once a month. So if you come to church once this month, you're great. You're on the you're you're great. That's that's good attendance. But I know that this is not church. This is only the place where the believers gather. This is a place where we have an opportunity to hear preaching and a live moment. And this is an opportunity to mobilize our movement. But I, I really do, my heart hurts sometimes when I look out. And when I don't see when I don't see people here, and there's certain people I'm talking about, because what I know is they're not seeing the inter the interruption as coming from the divine. They're seeing the problem in their life as a reason to run the other direction. They're seeing what's happening to them as God giving up on them. And I want you to know today that you're starting, you're starting in a good place. You have come. You have brought yourself, and I just want to pray that you would open up your heart, open up your ears, allow God to speak to you today, and that you might be the change agent and be the Steve Jobs of your life. And I'm sorry, I I should have a a better, uh, another example of our famous and powerful females, but that's just the one that came to mind. We're not a sexist church here, amen? We're not a misogynist church at all. So let's pray before we open up the word. Father, thank you so much for this worship service, for the songs that have talked about you. And I thank you for every single person listening today, either watching or here in this moment. And we pray that, Lord, this message today, that you would speak powerfully, that you would speak despite this broken vessel, Lord, you would speak despite this imperfect human, and that your word would be clear, that would speak not only to everyone, but to us. We love you, we thank you in Jesus name amen. amen amen well we are in a series called divine interruption and we're gonna follow this series for a couple of weeks and let me just give you uh what this series is about it's actually found taken from one particular text in James chapter one verses two and four here's where this whole thought this whole focus is coming from here's what James says dear brothers and sisters when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Let me pause right there. James must not know what's happening in 2019. James must not know that there's impeachment inquiries, and there's gun violence, and there's fighting in different countries, and there's, there's a whole bunch of problems. He doesn't know that the Seahawks got him humiliated last weekend. He, he doesn't know this. No, he does know this. Scripture is not just speaking to his day, it's speaking to us. Brothers and sisters, I love this word. When? Anybody ever heard that word before? When your mama gets home. When your dad gets home, somebody just somebody just had chills down their back. right? Troubles, it's not a possibility. It's a reality. It's coming. Troubles and it's plural. Because sometimes it's not just one little neat trouble. Oh, maybe I should think about that. No, it's one, two, three, four. It's a whole bunch of troubles coming at once. But he's saying our perspective as believers is different. Our perspective as watching it unfold is different for us. It's actually an opportunity, which is counterintuitive to think, why is this trouble an opportunity? Here's what verse three says. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to go, grow. We talked about this word endurance, right? And this word endurance, in a, in a modern way, the best way to say it is outlast, right? Your faith has the opportunity to outlast the trouble. Somebody told me a really funny joke. They said for anybody said ask anybody over 35, when was the last time you ran full speed? <laughs> anybody over 35 can laugh. I had to think about that. When was the last time I ran full speed? <laughs> Doesn't happen very much after 35. Not a lot of reasons to run full speed. But if there was a mean, vicious dog, I'm right on the border now of running or just calling 911. It's just, it's, I'm right on the border. Do I just pull out my phone? Cause, Cause I don't really think I can outrun a vicious dog. Something inside of me thinks I can. But I don't think my legs, I think I might, you know, tear an ACL trying to run from a dog. But that's the thing, like, can your faith outlast the troubles can you endure are, are you only like I'm during church I'm good that's all I got or maybe I can make it to sundown or maybe I can barely make it to Wednesday but I don't have enough faith to really outlast this trouble here's another, here's another good question for you in relationships can your relationship outlast trouble can your relationship outlast trouble like, right now, I'm trying to outlast not snatching all my kids up walking around in this church. Like I, just, I just had a broke-down moment. Like, I'm, like, my patience and my faith is not ready to outlast this moment right now. I'm just being real talk while it's on YouTube, I swear, right now. I mean, because inside of me is just the old school, like, right? But, but this isn't the old school. And kid-by-parenting today outlast the issues and trials that kids are facing today. Can my, can my relationship with my kids outlast trouble? Can my relationship with my wife outlast trouble? Can my relationship with my, the people around me outlast this trouble? It's gonna get tested. Your relationship is gonna get tested. Your parenting is gonna get tested. Your professional career is going, your business, your academic pursuits, they're going to get tested. Here's the last part of that verse. So let it grow. I love this. Let it grow. Give yourself an opportunity. Give yourself permission to grow. Don't accept where you are. Don't just accept, well, I'm never going to get over this addiction. Don't just accept, well, that's just the way I am. We last name people, we last name people are just like this. That's just the way it is. No. There's a way to accept what God wants. And for when your endurance is developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Which suggests that there's some things about your experience now that's incomplete. There's something about you that's missing something. And that's what I want to talk about today and where we find ourselves in the chapter, where we find ourselves in the book of Daniel. Here's the point I want to make today, that God is speaking. He is speaking. Through your trials, through people, God is speaking to you. A divine interruption is God's way of calling a timeout in your life. It's God's way of getting into your way to keep you from going the wrong direction. God still cares about us and he's concerned about our path. And so, divine interruption is a way of God saying, wait a minute, this is your highest self. You know, for years when I grew up, I grew up, hey, you're supposed to not sin, you're supposed to ask God for forgiveness. And it was almost like a hopeless thought like, I'm just going to keep going in this cycle of asking God for forgiveness. And this sin thing is not going away. Has anybody ever experienced that before? Like I keep coming back to the same thing. Here's what I began to learn as I got older. That when I began to see what God thought of me, in other words, my highest self, God's blueprint for me, it became easier to see what things would bring bring me to that and what things are keeping me from that. In a simple way, if you didn't grow up without a dad, in your life, maybe you've made this speech before. When I, get, when I get older and I'm going to be an adult, right, or I have kids, I'm not going to parent the way my dad. I'm not going to treat people like that. And whether you realize that or not, you are actually seeing your highest self. And you are saying to yourself, here is what I want. Here is what I don't want. And so I'm going to align myself and reorder my life so that I can achieve the highest version of myself. And sin, sin in a nutshell, is really doing anything that prevents you from being who God wants you to be. It's that simple. For some people, meat isn't an issue. For some people, staying up late and diet's not an issue. But for other people, it is. Because your highest self and what God wants you to be is where God wants to lead you through. And there are things getting in the way. So, God is speaking to you. He's speaking to you. question is, can you hear him? Can you actually hear God? And when God speaks to you, he has to sometimes get louder and louder and louder. And what I love about the gracious God we serve is that he doesn't give up on us. He doesn't say, well, they're not listening. Forget it. We have a choice to literally turn the voice of God down. And when we get so used to turning it down, we don't recognize it anymore. That's how we can come into a worship service and not feel anything. Because we are just not recognizing that God is speaking. That's how God can send someone to you through like a small group, for example. And you can listen or you cannot listen. You can be open or you can be closed. Now, I love this book. I brought this book on stage with me. This is People Skills. This is People Skills, and it's one of my favorite books by Robert Bolton, Ph.D., written like in the late 70s. And I always use this book when we help couples, especially who are getting married. And my favorite part of this book is it talks about, it talks about barriers to listening, really calls it roadblocks. Bro- road and the interesting about roadblocks is that the part where listening doesn't happen is actually in the response, so when something, someone shares something to you, it's actually when the way you respond that shows whether you're listening or not. So I want to put these up on the stage, and I don't want you to use these against somebody else, but I want you to think about yourself, because I want you to go and be like, you know what, that's a roadblock to listening. So let's, 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 be, honest, let's be fair with each other. So I will just keep reading from off the screen. So he groups them in a couple different ways. I'm going to run through these real quick. The first roadblock for listening is judging. Think about this. Someone, you tell someone something, and here's their response, right? They start criticizing back to you. Have you ever experienced that? Well, you brought it on yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Nobody else to blame but you. Heard stuff like that? Or there's name calling, right? Man, what an idiot. you just like your dad. That don't make any sense. What about diagnosing? You ever share something with somebody and then they start diagnosing and analyzing? Well, there's an article I read about this and this and that, or what I think is happening is this, this, and that. What about praising, evaluating? That's that's funny. Making a positive judgment. Like somebody tells you, I'm really struggling with this, and then their response is, but you're such a good person. Like there's nothing wrong with you. Like you're so beautiful. Like I don't know why anybody would say. What's interesting is that may sound like a great response, but that's actually a roadblock because they're not really listening. They're just responding with praise. And then he groups it in this. This is probably where probably what I do all the time, and that's sending solutions. Anybody ever heard someone do this to you? Uh, they're eating order ordering a command. Someone says something to you and they just respond back by sending solutions. Why don't you go do this? Why don't you just go and do that? Other people will respond by threatening. This is on the next slide, by the way. Other people would respond by threatening. You do this or else. You change or else. Other people would start moralizing. Start preaching at you. Everybody experienced that before? Excessive, inappropriate questioning. These are all roadblocks. And here's another, here's the last part of this. Avoiding the other's concerns. This happens a lot, where people would just completely divert the conversation. If say, come talk to you about it, or so, you talk to someone about it, and they just completely talk about their problems, or they just completely talk about something else, and, or they'll bring up some logical argument about it, And the last one is just simply reassuring. Now, I know that sounds like, what's wrong with that? It's great to give reassuring comments, but it doesn't mean that you're listening. Now, if we could do that in our human relationships, think about this. Think about what that looks like when God tells you something straight to your face. Tells you straight up, don't go there. Don't date them. Don't move. Don't leave. Give. Stop. Remember. Think about it. Slow down. Well, what do we do? Our response. Well, God's working things out. Right? Maybe God didn't really say that. Here's the biggest one. Let me pray about it. Pray about it. You don't see that knot on your head? Don't pray about it. Do something about it. But see, I love that God is not that way with us. God is patient, he is kind, and he is gentle. In fact, one of the things that God has an issue with with us is humility. See, humility means that you're willing to listen to God. In fact, humility means that God's opinions and thoughts are way more important than yours. God has a huge issue with humility, especially when we're in trouble, especially in times when God is trying his best to get through and we interpret that in a proud way. We take the miracle of God and the patience of God and the provision of God for granted and we turn it around and edit the story to where it's all about us And we should get the credit. I believe God is teaching us something in the chapter we're in today. We're in Daniel chapter 2. And I want to read this text to you, or excuse me, this verse in Psalms 25 to kind of put a capstone on what we're going to finish with today. Because I really can't go through the whole book of Daniel chapter 4. But look at what Psalms 25 says. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. Can we break that down for a second? The Lord is good. That means his intentions are good. That means what he desires for you is actually good. Even though it may be bad for us to do, we may not want to do it. His intentions are good. The trial that comes is for our good. God is starting from a good place. He's not coming to punish. He's coming to push you to your purpose. So he does what's right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. That's good news. That means you don't have to create your path. That means you don't have to figure it out. That means you don't have to think, sit down and strategize and think about what I'm going to do next. All you have to do is is hear and respond to without judgment, without criticizing, without minimizing the path that God is laying out for you. He promises to open and show you the path of those who go astray. Here's verse nine. He leads, what's that word there? The humble, say it again. The humble in doing right, teaching them his way. Here's the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the caveat there. He leads those who are humble. Those who realize I need help. Those who are honest about, I need some leadership in my life. Here's the last verse. The Lord heals, sorry, leads with unfailing love. I love that there. God is leading us in a way without giving up on us. He's not going to stop loving us. And faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his commands. God says, you need help. And if you know you need help and you're willing to let me lead you, I'm going to lead you on the proper path. I'm going to send you an interruption. I thank God for that to keep you from going the wrong direction. And once I stop you in your tracks, I'm going to lead you in the right path. And he's doing that because he loves us. He's doing that because he is concerned about us. And so let's go see this miracle of in chapter four of Daniel. And I'm going to breeze through this. This is something you got to really read at home. So what's interesting about the book of Daniel, as we've been walking through this, this is chapter four. Now this chapter, Nebuchadnezzar takes over, He takes over and he's the voice writing his own story. Now, some of you have been walking with us in the book of Daniel, and Nebuchadnezzar was this king, and God is leading this king through an experience through the prophet Daniel. Daniel is there in Babylon, and chapter after chapter, there's been a miracle. And each time, Nebuchadnezzar has been humbled. Now, remember, Nebuchadnezzar was the instrument of God. He was the one who God said, I want you to go and take captive of Israel, And bring them here in exile. But God's relationship with Nebuchadnezzar was growing. And so he tells this testimony. Now this is a crazy, crazy testimony. He tells this dream where he dreamed this huge, beautiful tree and it had all this fruit. And then someone came and cut the tree down. And he didn't know what the dream meant. And as he tells it from his perspective, he asked for Daniel to come and tell him the dream. So verse 19 is where we pick it up. Upon hearing this, so this is him talking about uh, Daniel, that Daniel heard the dream. Upon hearing this, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. Nebuchadnezzar didn't know what the dream meant, but Daniel did, and he was a little bit terrified by it. Then the king said to him, Belteshazzar, don't don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. He replied, I wish... The events foreshadowed in this dream would happened to your enemies, my Lord, not to you. He says, the tree you saw growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see it had green leaves, it was loaded with fruit for all to eat, wild animals lived in its shade, birds' nested in its branches. That tree, your majesty, is you, for you have grown strong and great, your greatness reaches up to the heaven. And your rule to the ends of the earth. Then you saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven, saying, "Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump and the roots in the ground. Bind it with a bronze band, a band of iron, bronze surrounded by tender grass. In bronze surrounded by tender grass. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals for a field in the field for seven periods of time." This is what the dream means. Now, this has got to be hard for Daniel to tell him this. I'll be honest with you. This is what the dream means, your majesty. And what the most high has declared will happen to my Lord, the king. You will be driven from human human society and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. Now, we're talking about the king. We're talking about somebody in the White House. We keep reading. You will eat grass, it's the Bible. You will eat grass like a cow. You will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone He chooses. It says, King, don't get it twisted. I know you're on top now, but that's only because God has chosen you. And the moment God says, I'm done, he will remove you and put somebody else in your place. That's good news for us trying to fight to stay in our thrones. Guys, like your throne is under my control. You don't have to fight to keep it. And the moment I decide to remove you from it, I'll do it. And I'll do it because I'm trying to show you something. And then, where did I leave off here? Oh, but the first 26, but the stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. I wish I could preach that. That God is maybe removing you from some things until you learn who's really in charge. I've, I've learned how to let that go. I don't need to be a macho man. I need to just let it go to know. I'm serious. I don't need to be the macho man Randy Savage. I just need to know that God is in control and that I can allow him to provide for me. I realize that, I'm not the provider. God is providing through me. So here's what it says. King Nebuchadnezzar, please, look what, look what he had to say to him. Please accept my advice. Stop sinning. Pretty bold right there. And do what's right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will consider, continue to prosper. I believe that's God's loving message for us. I believe that's God's loving message to say, you know what? The pattern that you have in your life, you need to stop doing that. The things that you allow yourself to continue to do, you need to stop. Because you've got to learn that prosperity is coming from me. So it got, it, it got real. Verse 28, all these things did happen to the king. 12 months later, how long? I said, how long is that? It's a year later. What have God spoken to you a year ago about? What did God tell you a year ago about? What did he tell you six months ago? What did he tell you last week? What a gracious, loving God we serve. One year. Think about it, King. One year, he was walking on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city and my royal residency to display my majestic splendor. I can guarantee you, Nebuchadnezzar has not lifted one brick. He has not painted one wall. I can guarantee you, he has done absolutely nothing That's why we sing this song, I'll build my life on God. Because when you think about it, you have done absolutely nothing to be where you are. Because if you don't have the breath in your lungs, your story's over. You don't have the ability to show up, your days are numbered. And he's trying to teach him, all that you have is what I've given you. So this is what he says, Nebuchadnezzar. He's telling the story. While the words were still in my mouth, a voice called from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. He got a text message from God. You are no longer the ruler of this kingdom. You are no longer the ruler of Zamunda. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields, the wild animals. You will eat like grass, like a cow. Seven times you'll pass. When you live this way, you will learn that what the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he desires. That same hour, the judgment was fulfilled, and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate like a cow, grass like a cow. He was drenched with the dew from heaven. He lived this way until his hair was long as eagle feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. Nebuchadnezzar literally turned into Thriller. He's got claws, dreads, and he's eating grass like a cow. This is the man. This is the king. And God's testimony came through. And now Nebuchadnezzar has lost his mind. Should have been the end of that chapter, right? Should have said that was it for King Nebuchadnezzar. That was it. And it should say right after that a new king showed up on the scene. Right after that, it should say, and the vice king, I don't know what the vice king was, the, uh, the backup king, backup quarterback, showed up and led Babylon. But look what happened. After this time had passed, how long was it? Seven years. Seven years, 2012 or 2013 to today, seven years ago, seven years had passed. I, Nebuchadnezzar, I looked up towards heaven. My sanity returned. How many of you know that your sanity returns when you look towards heaven? How many of you know your peace comes back when you start looking towards God? God. How many you know that the peace of God begins to fill you? When you start, stop looking at other people and looking at yourself and looking horizontally and start looking up to God. His sanity came back. He says, I praise and I worship the most high God and I honored him. The one, honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting. Nebuchadnezzar starts preaching. He cuts his fingernails off. Maybe he just puts his dreads and braids and back. His rule is everlasting. His kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. Does that sound like a proud person? It sounds like somebody who understands humility. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the peoples of earth. Look at this. Nobody can stop him or say anything to him. What do you mean by who does these things? When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom My advisors and my nobles sought me out. And I was restored as head of my kingdom, even with greater honor than before. Wait a minute. I thought that the king was crazy for seven years. I thought the king was on his hands and knees eating grass for seven years. Isn't that what we read? I thought his nails had grown out. I thought his hair was messed up. And I thought he had been removed from his kingdom and he had been but seven years later during those seven years the God who sent him the interruption was covering him y'all not with me yet the God who interrupted his life was holding his possessions was holding his position and he said when I came back from it not only did I get it back but I came back with more honor and with more glory and with more respect and with greater impact don't you know that God will give you back what he's holding from you to teach you a lesson that maybe in this season things may look rough but God is saying I got the best that I have for you right here I'm going to take you through this process little by little but when I'm done with you you're going to be greater When I'm done with you, you're going to be stronger. When I'm done with you, you can outlast any trouble that is chasing after you. You can be like Forrest Gump and keep running and running. And go watch a couple good movies so I can preach to y'all. God is not giving up. It's not the time to give up. It's the time to surrender. And just be honest and say, I don't have this figured out. Don't know what to do next. My life is messed up. That's what begins to open up: being honest and being humble and coming to God. This is a church, you don't have to pretend about anything, just keep it real, just be honest with yourself, and honest with others. That's what a small group is for. To get in the room and say, I'm just going to be honest about this. And you know what? When you get honest and you get open, you get better. When you get honest and you get open, you get freedom. When you get honest, you get open, you get healed. When you get honest and you get open, you get stronger. So the trial in your life It's an opportunity. The struggle in your life is the weight room. It's an opportunity for you to endure. And I want to pray for you today. And I just want to pray for you. But I want to pray for everyone that should be sitting in this seat today. Some of these people are people you don't even know. But my prayer is that you would outlast your trouble. My prayer is that you would listen to what God is saying to you that you don't resist it, that you don't criticize it, that you don't make it cute, that you don't edit it, that you don't try to do what you want to do with it, that you take it for what it is, the message for what it is, the dream for what it is, the interpretation for what it is. If you don't stop, you're going to lose everything. If you don't pause, it's not going to work. If you keep trying, it's not going to happen. What God is saying, stop and listen. And follow me. Psalms 25. The Lord is good. He does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. That's a promise. That's a promise today. If you've gone astray, he says, I'm going to show you the right path. He leads the humble in doing right. Teaching them his way. He said, I'm going to show you how to do it because the reality is your way doesn't work. Anybody ready to be humble about that? Your way doesn't work. It don't work. Keep trying it. It's not going to work. My way doesn't work. His way works. And he says, the Lord leads with unfailing love. He's not yelling at you. He's not whipping you. He's not. He said, come on. It's okay. No, 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 no. Come this direction. It's alright. Oh, you got hurt? I know. Let me see it. He's like a loving grandmother, a loving grandfather, a loving mother, a loving dad, a loving angle, uncle who bends down. And says, let me see that. Did you get cut? I'm so sorry. Did they break up with you? That's okay. Just keep coming. Just just come this way. He's a gracious God. Okay, uh uh-uh. uh. It's all right. Just this way. There's gonna be more. It's okay. And faithfulness. That means he always shows up. That means he's always there. So I'm right here. I ain't going nowhere. I'm right here for all who keeps his covenant. That just means I agree. I agree with you, God. I'm saying yes. And obey his demands. That's right, demands. Can't sugarcoat it. He says, I demand you. I'm telling you to stop. I want to invite your eyes to be closed, your head to be bowed. I want to give an opportunity for someone today who is hearing the voice of God speak to them in their own way about whatever situation they're in. There's some, some things today that we need to stop doing. There's some things today we need to get started. There's some places that we need to redirect ourselves from going. And there's some places that we need to come back to. And I want to pray for those today who hear God speaking to them. And you just want to say, Pastor, I just want you to pray for me today. I want you to pray that whatever my next step is, that i have the faith that will outlast my trial and see it as an opportunity to go forward. And so if you just want a special prayer today, you just saying, God, I want to get started. I want to make whatever next step you have today. We've, we've talked about five next steps, which is to get started, get baptized, get involved, get invitational, get generous. But whatever next step that God has for you, if you just want special prayer for that today, would you just raise your hand so I could see it? God bless you. I see you in the back. I see you in the front. God bless you. Let me pray for you today. Father, we pray as our hands are lifted saying that we receive the message that you have for us. And we know that the instruction that you give us doesn't come without your love and without your guidance and without your patience. It doesn't come without you helping us along the way. It comes with your love and your patience and guidance. Pray today that they would know the realness of your love today and they would leave here knowing that they're making the best decision of their life. And we praise you, we honor you for today. And we pray for all of those who we are uh, that we are praying for to be here and believing that they will be here to hear the truth that you haven't given up on them and that this message For humility is for them so they might inherit all that you have for them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Let's give God a praise for the hands that are raised. We're getting ready to let you go. But what we like to do is we've been trying to build in our time an opportunity to respond to God. And we've just been singing just a few lines of the song. And then we're going to pray one more time and let you leave. So we just want to submit our decisions, submit our promises in a moment of worship you can close your eyes you can stand whatever you want to do but we just want to make that known to God I will build